Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. You know, um, we, we really want to go out of our way to celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to call it forth, not to walk through a season, not just to appreciate the trappings of one more Christmas, but, but to really enter in. And so it has been our, our deep desire um, and our strong intention to lean into the themes that you see on the back wall, uh, worship fully, spend less, give more, and then today talking about love all. And, and we really need it. Uh, you know, I need the reminder every year. In fact, I, just a, a, not even in the notes here, but um, I have, have noticed that it seems like every year as we rise to celebrate the love of God, it feels like the darkness push, tries to push back. Um, every year, there's just so much tension around Christmas. Have y'all experienced that? Like Lucy was telling me the other day at Chick-fil-A, somebody cussed her out. Um, you know, and I think we all have those tense moments. And so one thing I do is I really pray um, even more and just say, God, clothe me in your love throughout the season. Let me be an example of grace and peace and joy and hope. And so the other day, um, Jane and I go to Walmart and we're, uh, you know, we're shopping and Jane goes off to some other aisle to get something. And so I'm pushing the cart um, and, and I end up having a, a, a wreck in, inside Walmart. So I'm pushing the cart. I promise you I'm not texting and driving. But there's a, there's a woman in front of me, and, um, you know, she's, she's leaning over her cart, and she's actually texting, and she's going about this speed, and I cannot get around her. So I'm like, all right, just settle back, relax. So um, I'm, I'm pushing the cart, and I look to the side, and, of course, the moment I look to the side, she stops. And boom, I just ran into the back of her. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. Lord, this is everything. I don't want to happen during this season. I want to be an emissary of your goodness and your grace. I can just see the headline, you know, local pastor assaults woman in Walmart. And so she starts to make this turn. And I'm going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, just let this be a good moment. She turns around and looks at me. And she goes, well, hon, I guess I forgot to put my blinker on. And she just, (laughs) and I thought, you know, God, you're good. You're so good. Um, so, you know, hey, you never know how the Lord's going to show up and just, you know, love somebody through you. But it was, a, it was one of those, thank you, Lord, for bringing humor and love together in a moment. Um, so, listen, I do want to welcome you to KPC to, uh, on this December 23rd um, or this Christmas Eve Eve service, as my children taught me long ago. Um, actually, one family in the church, I, I won't mention their names, the Walters, their kids, their kids call today Christmas Adam instead of Christmas Eve. So I guess we've all got a pet name, but welcome here. I am so glad you're here. And, and just to dispel any tension we feel, because sometimes, you know, maybe you haven't been to church a lot or at all, and it just feels like kind of a strange place to be. We are glad you're here today. Um, you know, h- however you're feeling, whoever you are, we welcome you in Jesus' name. And I want you to know that, that we know you could have been somewhere else this morning doing something else, and you chose to be here with us. And I, my name is Steve Keller. I'm the pastor here, and I just I welcome you. And even without knowing you, we just we love you, and uh, this is a good place to be. And listen, you're welcome to come back tomorrow night as well for our Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. So we'll be doing uh, something like this again tomorrow night. But uh, welcome, Okay. All right, so here we are today, and we're going to talk about the love of God. 
We're going to talk about what the love of God does to us, um, how the love of God changes us. And I want to, want to kind of ease into you by um, telling you a story about my daughter. She doesn't know I'm going to tell this, and it's not a bad one, so don't worry, Maddie. Um, my daughter, Maddie, is like the podcast queen. And so if, you, if you're looking for a good podcast, she's the person to talk to. And recently, she recommended a true crime podcast to me. And she goes, Dad, you got to listen to this one. So I was like, okay. Well, so I listened to it, and it was fantastic. I mean, it was just fascinating. It was one of these things that I thought, well, I'll take a couple of weeks to listen to it. In, in like a day and a half, I'd listen to the whole thing. And what fascinated me the most about this podcast is, is that they solved this crime, and it happened like 35 years ago, but they solved it using genetics. And so this, this genetic scientist comes on, and they explained that they can take a little bit of your spit, okay, so a, a sample of spit, and with this saliva, and within a couple of hours, they can tell you what part of the country you are from, what part of the world you are from. You know, the, I guess the environment, the atmosphere interacts with our DNA, but they can tell you where you're from with a sample of your saliva. Now, that blew me away. But then she went on to say that they can also tell you about a whole lot of people you never knew you were related to. I sort of knew that, but then she went on to explain that in this one case with this one man, by the time they had traced it out to his fifth cousin, his five, fifth cousins, they discovered this man had 25,000 people that he didn't know he was related to. And Christmas shopping just became a nightmare. <laughs> 25,000 people. And I just thought, how cool is that, you know? And, and it's kind of true of all of us. There are all these people walking around on this planet that we are connected to. I mean, who knew? I just, I just find that amazing, fascinating. Neil, I mean, you and I could be identical twins for all we know. I mean, it's just, just no knowing. Um, by the way, disclaimer, if as a result of this sermon, okay, you do one of these tests and you find out that you are related to Bill Gates or Warren Buffett and you come into your kingdom, two words, finder's fee. You heard it here first, I want to cut, okay? All right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this season. And Lord, we celebrate today, we celebrate Jesus. Oh God, we, we rejoice that Jesus Christ came. We thank you that, that as Mark said a moment ago, Jesus changes everything. Lord, we, we love that we are not who we were now that we have said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and King. And Father God, we don't want to have that experience that some Christians do where they have a moment of yes and then they return to a lifetime of me. So, Father God, we, we just want to partner today. We want to agree with this great work that you have started in us, Lord. We, Lord, we pray that even through this message, through this worship, you would move us further down the road. Lord God, that, that you would cause us to, to become the church that you intended us to be. And not a religious knockoff, not a, not a high-minded country club, not a group of people who get together to try and be better than the rest of the world, but that we would be the church of Jesus Christ. Father, do it. And we pray that for every church meeting everywhere right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here, if you will, again, the Word of God, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What I've just read to you is a very familiar passage. It's familiar to everyone in the church, uh, anyone who's ever been associated with the church. A lot of people on the outside of the church have heard this one too. It's just that big a scripture. And um, so it's very familiar to us. And this is a, a, a scene where Jesus once again is having another showdown with the religious. Now, what the religious are doing here is, is the word says they have come to test Jesus, okay? Don't misunderstand what that word means. The word means trap. They have come to try and trap Jesus Christ. And what they're doing is they're hitting Jesus with questions. Now, the question I just read to you is actually the third question that the religious leaders ask him in Matthew 22. So they've been hitting him with questions, and what they're hoping for is that Jesus will miss one. Okay, he'll blow one of these questions, and they can turn around and say to everyone, you see, this Jesus is a fraud. He's really not the Son of God. He's really not the Messiah. And, and so far in the passage, Jesus is doing very well, okay? He's doing very well with these questions. In verse 17, the, uh, the Pharisees get up on the mound first, and they throw a political question to Jesus, all right? They throw him a really tough political question, and Jesus just nails it, all right? And he knocks the ball in play, just, just drills the question. So, so uh, the Pharisees do that. Then the Sadducees, they step up to the mound in verses 24 through 28, and the Sadducees ask him a thorny theological question, all right? So they toss in this theological question, and Jesus just hits this one against the back wall. Once again, he just crushes the question. And so here in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, the Pharisees come back up to the plate, and they ask Jesus an ethical slash theological slash historical question. And y'all, this question is a doozy. The question is, teacher, of all the commands of God in the law, which one of them is the greatest? tough question. How will Jesus answer this question? Uh, let me ask you a question real quick. Are, are there many commandments in the Word of God? Yes, okay. If you take just the law of Moses alone, which is a fairly small part of Scripture, there are 613 commandments in the law of Moses. So, so look at what Jesus is up against with this question. I mean, what, which one law is he going to point to that's like the king of all the other laws? What commandment is he going to point to that, that ties them all together? You know, what is that bottom line, nutshell command that, that just sums all the others up? And you, if, if, when you, when you kind of get that feel, I mean, you can feel the tension in the passage as Jesus inhales before he answers. Jesus' answer is absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant on so many levels, but even on the level of familiarity, 
It's, it's a brilliant answer. Why? Because when Jesus gives his answer, it's one that all the Jews know. You know, every practicing Jew recites the commandment Jesus just gave twice a day in prayer because this commandment is part of the Shema. This is that prayer that every Jew prays. Love the Lord your God first. Love the Lord your God foremost. And I wish I could have seen the eyes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It must have looked like one of those Looney Tune cartoons, just boom, as he gets it. He's nailed it once again. I mean, this is, even though it's familiar, it's just a revelation to them. But the truth of it is, this is pretty familiar to us, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we heard this as Christians? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, soul. We've heard it a thousand times, right? I mean, if, if you're in KPC, I mean, this is actually even in our vision statement for crying out loud. So for most Christians, you know, we hear, love the Lord your God, and we just go, yep, got it, check, let's move on. But have you ever stopped to really consider what Jesus has just said? Have you, have you ever stopped to just think about how big this command is? In, in other words, how extreme it is that we are called to love the Lord our God with all. Everything that makes us who we are, all, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, everything that makes Steve, Steve is to love the Lord our God. That's what Jesus has just said. It's so 100%, you know? It's so all or nothing. I mean, we, we read this and we go, gosh, Jesus, you know, you're kind of setting the bar really high. I mean, Jesus, is it even possible when we stop and, and, and consider every thought we think, every word we say, every action we perform, every emotion we feel, is, is it even possible to love God like that? I mean, I know it sounds good in church, right? I mean, it, it looks great on a banner, doesn't it? But is it remotely realistic to love Jesus with everything that makes us who we are? The answer is yes, believe it or not. And this is an encouraging yes. I want you to know today it is possible. And, and I'll tell you one person who lets us know how to do this. It is John the Baptist. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he is talking about, John is talking about the place of Jesus in his life. And here's what he says. He says, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. In the NIV, it says, he must become greater and I must become less. And, and just so we're all clear, when, he said, when John says Jesus must become greater, John isn't saying Jesus really needs to improve. That's not the meaning here. What he means is in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my everyday, Jesus has got to become bigger. He's got to take up more room. I need more of him, and I need to get out of the way. I need to shrink. I need to retreat into the background. And this is really how we step into this Advent reality of loving all. We have got to become less. It, even, even if we just start with loving God, right, that first part of the commandment. And, and so what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means that our wants, right, our rights, our preferences 
our expectations of what we want for ourselves, they've all got to shrink. It's part of what happens in worship as we celebrate Him, right? As, as we dig into the Word, it, it's just the shrinking as we begin to reach out in humility. We have got to shrink all of that. And what has to grow up in their place are the, are the passions of God, the pursuits of God, the will of God. It's so important for us to love God with all that we are, for, for that dynamic, that exchange to take place. It also matters because there is a part two to the greatest commandment, and it's this loving our neighbors as ourselves. And that, that same thing is in play, that when it comes to our neighbors, our preferences, our, our expectations, our, our desires, all of that has got to shrink. And in place of me first, they begin to become first. You know, we replace us with them. We actually begin to prefer them and, and, and live to reach them. We become a church that understands that we are here for the sake of the world. And I know we hear that, and we, the same thing kind of feels true. Like, you know, once again, Steve, that sounds really, really good in church. You know, it, 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 I guess that looks good on a banner, too. I mean, it sounds good for the next 20 minutes until I can get out of here. But, but is it possible to love our neighbors like that? You know, to really put other people before ourselves? And the answer, again, is a yes. And that's where the glory of Advent came, comes in for us. Because, you see, Advent is about God doing this for us. Advent is about God coming to us through Jesus Christ. You know, Advent is, is not about us working our way to God once again, this once a year, or somehow climbing a ladder to God. Advent is when we stop and we realize and we remember and we rejoice in the fact that when it came to our salvation, God made the first move. God came to us. You know, the first Christmas, God came into our darkness through in Jesus Christ. God extended his arms to us through Jesus Christ. God loved us so much. And that's where we begin. We begin with the love of God. God loved us so much that he came as Jesus Christ. And he came down here. He lived among us. He talked to us. He listened to us. He reached out to us. He touched us. In the end, as Mark said earlier, Jesus Christ suffered and he died in our place. Wow. That is the love of God for you. No matter where you are in your life right now, this is the love of God for you. And going all the way back to the beginning of the sermon, why did God do this? You know, I mean, did God say, man, I just, I've got these big plans for earth and, you know, redemption, and I just can't do it without a whole bunch of people to help me? No. God is all sufficient in himself. He's perfect. God, God began complete, and nothing has changed. Why did God do this? Why did he reach out to us? Why did he send Jesus for us? God did it so he could put our names on his family tree. That's why he did it. God did it to connect us to himself and to connect us to a whole bunch of other people. You know, the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ, your family becomes huge, right? This is part of what God is up to. And that is the glory and the beauty of the love of God. 
Because when you stop to think about love, really think about love, love is all about belonging to somebody, isn't it? You know, isn't love about belonging to people, right, to others? So, so in other words, God did not draw us uh, in, into His love through commandments, through rules, through religious lectures. And listen, all of that is good, but the reason God didn't do that is because in the end, you and I cannot fall in love with a history lesson. You know, we, 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 we can't fall in love with a set of principles, We're not going to be in love for the rest of our lives with a religious system. Absolutely not. Real love involves flesh and blood. It is the joining of two hearts. Real love is all about relationship. And so once again, what did God do? God came down in person as a human being, Jesus Christ. And He is the one and the only one who is light, You know, he he is the only one who can bring us to life and into the love of God. Through Jesus Christ, we become God's children. We belong. We are the beloved. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, oh my goodness, life begins and his love is ours. And that's wonderful. But see, here's the thing, and there's always a thing. The thing is we are not meant to encounter the love of God, experience the love of God, receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then sit back and just enjoy the love of God for the rest of our lives. Now, that is pretty awesome, but that's that's not what we are meant to do. Not just that. We, the church, we, the children of God, Christians, we are meant to show the love of God to this world. We are meant to communicate the love of God to all kinds of people out there. We're we're meant to distribute it, to give it away to anybody, to everybody. We are meant to be a people who are passionate for God and then compassionate for the rest of this world. And we've got a a simple definition here at KPC for compassion. Compassion is, is simply love in action. And so that means for you and I this Christmas, okay, and every Christmas and every other day of the year, we need, as a church, as Christians, if we're not doing it already, we need to stop and we need to open our eyes and we need to see who they are, who is around us. And then we need to move in their direction and minister to them in word and deed. That is the call of the church. And by the way, that that is the idea behind our outreach, you know? These are simple, regular ways for us to just step into loving all, to loving our neighbor. People say, well, Steve, why are we ramping this up? You know, why is there so much outreach? Because here's what happens when we do group outreach like we're doing, uh, uh, the clothing closet, the food pantry, union mission, the trailer park we've adopted. We're not just doing that so hopefully, you know, we'll get a little press out of it or we can feel better about ourselves. We do this together because it makes it easier to to fly solo later on. Have you ever, you know, thought, oh, I just need to obey Jesus and step out into outreach? And that first step by yourself, it's a scary step to take. And so we say, okay, well, let's just start doing it together. Let's reach out together. Let's love together. You know, there's safety in numbers. It's easier as a group. Do it a little bit with a few other people, and what happens when it comes to the guy next door over the fence? It gets easier to communicate. 
You know, that person in the workplace, uh, uh, even, and this would be a Christmas miracle, it even makes, makes it uh, possible to love that person in traffic, right? And in Virginia Beach, that is a Christmas miracle. But, but we, we, we do this because it's good for our souls to shrink a little bit, to love. We've got a world out there, and they are just aching. They are hungering, like our vision statement says. They hunger for the love of God. They really do. But see, here's the thing. Our neighbors are not just those people out there. We also have a room full of neighbors every single week in here. Our neighbors are also, they're also our spiritual family in here. You know, we as a body, I, like uh, we mentioned the Flores earlier, you know, I know the Flores kids' names, and I know those kids belong to the Flores, right? They are their children. But you know what? If I'm a part of the family of God here, in a way, those are my kids too, it's getting that heart that everybody belongs to one another, that we are here to, to minister for our children, to, to, uh, to our children, to pray for our children, to encourage our teenagers. You know, people in the room all around us, this room full of adults, every single week, the possibilities that we have to just pour the love of God on people, to encourage people, to pray with people, to move towards people. We've got neighbors out there. We've got neighbors in here. I, I tell you, another set of neighbors we have, and, and I didn't think of these as, as uh, really neighbors until I became one, but leadership are neighbors. You know, uh, back when I was uh, working kind of in the corporate world, I, I never thought of my boss as a peer. You know, I never thought of my, my boss as somebody who might need to be loved every now and then. He was just the guy over me. Sometimes we feel that way about teachers and principals. Sometimes we feel that way about church leaders. I'll tell you, folks, leaders are also people that, that really need your love. I'll tell you this, KPC leadership is really going to need your love this year. Um, we have got, and we'll save most of this for later on, but we have got some big changes coming our way in 2019. The elders have been praying about a lot of changes that we as a church need to make and, and some of these changes that you'll hear about later on, these are things that we should have done a, whole, a long time ago as a church. Outreach is really the first phase of that, but we just realized there are things that we've been kind of waiting to do for a long, long time. It is going to take some courage on the part of your leadership to take, take some of these steps. It's also going to take a lot of grace and a lot of love on, on, on the part of the church as we move forward. And, and listen, I'm kind of a naive person. Um, those of you who know me well are going, this is really true about him. I am naive enough to think that when it comes to changes, everybody's going to be like, yes, I'm so excited about this new thing we're doing at KPC. But I realize I'm just learning this. Okay, I'm 51, turned 51 last week. I've got a new nugget of wisdom, and it's this. The problem with change, though, is, is that it actually involves change. It involves changing, you know, and that's tough. And so what that does for leadership is it makes us a little bit like Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy. Lucy, you got some splaining to do. We're going to have to do that, you know. We're go- and, and listen, as, as, as elders and staff, we are going to do our part to walk you through the changes we make step by step. And, and our prayer is that together we take a beautiful journey together into some really new things in this upcoming year. And I, I will tell you this, when it comes to change, uh, the, we are stepping into the mission and the vision that, that the Lord gave us a couple years ago much more fully. 
Um, we are not, there are some non-negotiables that we've identified as a session. We are a reformed church. We are a biblical church. We are a charismatic church. We're not sacrificing any of that stuff. But the bottom line is that, that, that everything that's coming uh, your way this year, it is all about it, experiencing and extending the love of God as a church. Amen. And if there's anything you don't like, it's Scott Walter's fault. So just remember that, okay? Um, so let, let me get back to this, wrap up with this. I, I, one, th- one more thing we wanted to do all Advent long is we wanted to be very practical with the things we said. So we didn't want to say, hey, worship fully, good luck with that. We've been very, very practical all, all the way along. So I want to just give you some practical ways to step more fully into loving all. Let's start with God, okay? Loving God with all that we are. Here's some practical ways to step in. Number one, it has to come first. The love of God has got, it's the first and the greatest commandment for a reason. You will not love anybody fully until you have first experienced the love of God. So, if you have never experienced the love of God, ask Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. Receive him. You know, there, there actually is no tomorrow with salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you know what day it's talking about? Whatever day you're reading it, you know. So today is the day of salvation. Let this Christmas be the, today. Christmas Adam, Christmas Eve, Eve. Let this be the day you said yes to Jesus Christ. It begins there. And then for every Christian in the room, all right, everyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ, spend time with God daily in the Word and in prayer. It doesn't have to be three hours. It, 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 as long as your heart is there, it can be a short amount of time. Spend time with God. Well, I don't know how to pray. Sure you do. You know how to talk? There you go. Talk to God. Listen to God. See what he says back to you in the word of God. And listen, if that is intimidating to you, if that feels like too much, come talk to me. I'd be glad to just share with you. Um, it's just about spending time with God. It is an awesome thing. Trust me. Here you go. Here's another one, loving God more. Spend time with other people who are in love with Jesus Christ. Spend time with brothers and sisters who will pray with you, encourage you, dig into the word with you. And then I'll give you a fourth one, and you knew this was coming. Spend time regularly with your church family. Wait a minute. Did he just tell us that we need to go to church? Yes. Yes. We are a family. We need each other. We feel it when you're not here. Families need one another. I I can't imagine what it would have been like for any one of us on the streets at the age of five, you know, trying to live life as Oliver Twist. It holds true spiritually. We need one another. Guys, church is a place. Church is a place where we come together and we worship together. We pray together. We are spreading out a spiritual feast every week. You need to, we need to be a part of that. We all need to be at the table together eating. Church is a way we get filled up. It is a way we, we mature in Christ together. So that's, that's kind of loving God one-on-one, 101, that, the practical ways to grow in loving God with all that you are. Now, when it comes to your neighbor, loving your neighbor more, the idea is actually very simple biblically. It's this. You do this, Right? You fall in love with God. You love him first. You get all filled up with his love. You experience his love. His love is yours. It's being received and returned, right? You've got the love of God. The idea is simply that you take that love 
and you turn with that love and you aim it at your neighbor. You just love people with the love that you are, ex- are experiencing. And, and you aim it at anybody. You aim it at everyone. And, and the good news is there are so many ways to love people. I would suggest before you move towards somebody and, and actually take a physical step, I would recommend, first of all, prayer. Pray and ask God to open your eyes to who is in your path. It is incredible when you pray and you say, Lord, show me who you want to touch today through me. It's incredible. The people that you see, they may have been there every day of your life, but suddenly, suddenly you're drawn like a magnet to them. Ask God to fill you with his love for people. You know, that is a prayer God loves to answer. I I told a story in the podcast this week about this girl I worked with years ago. She was the meanest thing I'd ever seen. Mean as a snake. Hey, how you doing? Shut up. You know, just everybody hated her, right? So I was going to quit the job, and the Lord said, why don't you pray for her first? So I started praying for her every single day. God, give me your love for The Lord feel I had so much compassion and love for this woman. God loves to answer that prayer. Ask God to fill you with his love for people. And ask God also to fill you with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given for a reason, not just to make us feel good, but to accomplish the mission, right? To accomplish the great commission. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Because with the Holy Spirit comes joy. With the Holy Spirit comes power in prayer. With the Holy Spirit comes just that, that homing beacon that you know who to go to and, and, and love. And then there are all these little practical ways that we can love people once we're filled up, once we're dialed in. I'll give you just a few, okay? And this list could be incredibly long. Uh, here, here's a simple one. Talk to people. Listen to people. Encourage people. It's incredible how loved how loved do you feel when someone stops and just listens to you? you know, there's a world starving for relationships, something as simple as that as a child of God talking and listening to them. And then there's the thing that I struggle with the most, which is taking time to actually help people. Just stop being in such a hurry. This prayer gets me in so much trouble. Lord, today I'm available. I'll be driving to work. There's a guy, a flat tire. Pull over, help him out, you know? But Helping people like that, you know, just simple things, changing a tire, charging a battery, giving somebody a ride. Uh, Another one, at at the grocery store, the cashier who has worked to death and is just, you know, all day long, an extra 10 seconds just to engage. How's your day going? What's going on today? Just a few extra seconds of you being filled up with the love of God talking to them is incredible. Here's another thing we can do. Start thanking people. Do you know there's so many, the Lord made me aware of this the other night we were out eating, and I realized, Lord, there are all these people in this restaurant, and their job is just to serve me. I mean, you know, you think, oh, the waiter, no big deal. They're serving us. You know, stopping to thank people like a waiter, you know, a policeman, a fireman, a crossing guard. Be careful how you do that one, by the way. But, you know, just thanking them. And joining us, too, like, like on some of these outreaches, you know, go, to a, go with us to, to Union Mission. Go with us to the trailer park, just, just for an afternoon of meeting someone's need together. This year, take a mission trip with us. Go with us to Africa, okay? Uh, go with us to the Bahamas. Or you can go with us to God's country, North Carolina. We're taking a trip there this year. But, but just, you know, just change pace, make a new commitment. As, as a family, here's something we can do. Because life can fall into a rut in the house. 
Spend time with your family. Stop. Be present with your family. Change the pattern. You know, grandkids or grandparents, get on the floor and build Legos with your grandchildren. Spouses, stop and spend real time with one another. Sometimes Jane and I will just look at each other and go, it is amazing how long it's been since we've had a real conversation. Love one another. It begins at home, everybody. With leaders, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Encourage your leaders from time to time. Um, Not too long ago, I, I overheard a conversation, not here, at the last church I was in, I overheard a conversation between these, these two dear, dear women. They're saints of the church. And this one lady goes, you know, that pastor, Pastor Steve, he preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard. But I'm not going to go tell him that because I don't want his head to get too big. <laughs> you know what? I really could have used it. You know, some of y'all do that. You encourage me from time to time. And how many times do I answer back to you and go, you do not know how much I needed to hear that today. Yeah, baby, come on. <laughs> but the idea is just, is just to, to begin to love, to begin to step out somewhere you've never done it before. There's just a few ways to move toward your neighbor, and we're going to be all about that as a church. But here's the thing. In the end, loving all, it isn't rocket science. Uh, it's, it's a commitment of the heart. And so I say KPC this year, or listen, if you're from another church, take this back home. This next year, let's love all as a church. Let's love all. Let's love God. Woo! Let's love him with all we got, right? Let's love one another as we've never loved before. Let's love this world from the heart. And I mean, let's love deep. Let's love wide. Let's love lavishly. Let's love completely. But let it begin in here, right? Jesus said this to us in John 13, 34. He said, a new command I give you. Here's Jesus commanding again. A new command I give you. Love one another. Okay, Jesus, we will. How should we do that? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this Everyone will know that you're my disciples, that you belong to me, that you are following me if you love one another. It's one of the great wake-up calls to the church. It's so simple, just the centrality and, and, and the burning necessity of the love of God. I thought about the Apostle Paul sitting down there a minute ago. I should have put this in my sermon notes, and I didn't. But you know, here, what does Paul say to us about love? Now he says we can speak in the tongue of men and angels we can pretty much cover every base, religiously speaking. We can be the biggest, best church that, that ever existed. But without the love of God, what does it come to? Nothing. And so, KPC, let's make some noise in 2019. Let's get loud with the love of God. What do you say? Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.